The presence of death is not as harsh in our daily life as it once was. As a result, interest in bodily resurrection has been greatly diminished. Life expectancy rates steadily climbed over the last century. The infant mortality rates in our country are incredibly low. In contrast to what people experienced just a hundred years ago, we know very little of the sting of death. As you may know, the famous Lutheran composer and church musician Johann Sebastian Bach experienced the sting of death in a very profound way. Maria, Barbara, his first wife, bore seven children in their brief, brief married life together. She died at age 34, and three of their children died in infancy. Bach married again to Mary Magdalena, and together they had 13 children. Sadly, from this union, seven dear children died at a young age. These circumstances were common in their day. In our day, many people die while advanced in years or after prolonged struggles with debilitating cancer, heart failure, or complications to stroke. As a result, their loved ones are relieved at death. They are content that the suffering is over. When one has witnessed the lengthy effects of death and decay, the promise of bodily resurrection may bring little comfort. And yet resurrection is our great hope, and it is why we gather this Easter morning. All the beautiful music, flowers, and fellowship are all in celebration of this one fact, that when we lower our loved ones into the grave, when they sleep the sleep of death and finish this earthly journey trusting the Lord Jesus, we boldly confess that more is yet to come. That our beloved Lord, who rose again that first Easter, will come again and bring forth his saints, his own, that he even calls brothers and sisters from the cold ground to everlasting life. And we have this promise, that just as Christ rose in a glorified body, so too will those who die in the Lord. St. Peter wrote, Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Jesus rose again on the third day, and his nail-pierced hands and feet, his pierced side, were completely healed. Scarred to be sure, but healed in a glorified body. Let us not forget the scourging that tore apart his back and the cuts from the crown of thorns slammed down on his sacred head. All of this was healed on the third day. All of it glorified. When Jesus cried out from the cross, it is finished, he meant it in the fullest possible sense. His dying in your place was finished. His saving work for you was finished. His culmination of all creation, reversing the fall into sin by Adam and Eve and restoring humankind to a greater status, was all done, complete, 
finished. Thanks be to God. All that you might eagerly, all this, so that you might eagerly long for the day of his coming, that believing his promises, you shall be gathered with all the saints in glorified, resurrected bodies. St. Paul tells us, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this, imp- for this perishable, perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality. When our Heavenly Father's hand leads us down the path of deep sorrow for the death of loved ones beside their grave, think of them springing forth, not in the frail bodies wrecked with the effects of sin, rather be comforted by the image of youthful bodies, lively bodies, blessed by the grace of Christ coming forth from the ground. Our Lord promises, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Unfortunately, too often, when we do face tragedy and death, especially as a community, whether it be natural catastrophe or by the hands of evil ones, our tendency is to shake our fist in defiance, We demand that we will be strong, we will stand, carry on as if nothing happened. This attitude is the greatest of all tragedy, a misguided zeal. In the face of death, we should be humbled, not arrogant. We should fall to our knees and cry out for the mercy of God, our Heavenly Father. What good does it do for us to stare into a grave of one cut down before their time and shake our fist? Can you raise the dead? Can you bring vengeance that will atone for an injustice? No. Only God, your creator, can do both at the same time. He has dealt with every sin when Christ suffered on the cross, that by killing he might make alive. So flee your pity, your petty bitterness and arrogance, and rest secure in the finished work of Christ. Rejoice and sing hallelujah that Christ is raised from the dead. You too shall rise along with all the children of God. Recall that through Lent, this proper preface of our liturgy gave us these words. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who accomplished salvation of mankind by the tree of the cross, that where death arose, there life also might rise again, and that the serpent who overcame by the tree of the garden might likewise by the tree of the cross be overcome. 
Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name. These words teach us that sin and arrogance are bigger than just us. Your suffering at the hands of death is the work ultimately of the devil. Christ hates death so much, he was willing to suffer it for you. The tree of the Garden of Eden, where sin and evil entered the world, saw the devil grasp a kingdom that did not belong to him. And so he overcame, but for a time, by taking the flesh of a serpent and deceiving Adam and Eve. Yet God delivered the promise that the head of the serpent would be crushed by the offspring of the woman Eve. By the foolishness of the cross, the devil and his schemes are undone. Christ is laid to rest in a tomb in a garden. When he is raised and first appears to Mary Magdalene, she mistakes our Lord for a gardener. When Satan first succeeds, Jesus comes to crush his head and win the victory. Thus, this day, we mock and ridicule the devil who thought himself victorious when Christ hung dying on the cross. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The tree of the cross has now become the wisdom of God. To the world, it looks like a symbol of defeat. But Christians rejoice in the fulfilled promises of God. He forgives your sins and brings life out of death. From this tree of the cross comes the most wonderful fruit, the fruit of Christ's righteousness, the fruit of the vine that makes glad the heart of men. Christ knows your weak and feeble faith and seeks to deliver to you the promise of the resurrection into your heart. He pours his promise, sweet as wine, into your heart when you drink, when you take and drink for the forgiveness of sins. So remember Christ's words. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. John chapter 6. So with Luther and his wonderful hymns, let us rejoice. Then on, then let us feast on this Easter day on Christ, the bread of heaven. The word of grace has purged away the old and evil leaven. Christ alone our souls will feed. He is our meat and drink indeed. Faith lives upon no other. Alleluia. Amen. Now may the peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds. Amen.